Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Lena McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. And we have a special, special guest for you guys, Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL, former NFL scout, uh, writer at Pro Football ne- uh, Network, also the host of the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. Matt, what is going on, sir? Not a lot, man. This is going to be fun. How are you guys? Doing well. This is uh, this is awesome for me because when I was in college, Matt, I used to listen to your podcast when you were on ESPN. So to have you as a guest on our show is uh, pretty freaking cool. So I'm I'm really really excited to get into it. I'll just chime in. Knew what podcasts were? I mean, that was one of the first NFL podcasts ever back in the ESPN days. That's what I was going to say is uh, th- that that podcast actually inspired me to get into podcasting in the wow, first place. So, uh, yeah, I'm a, I was a big fan way back then. And that was even before I decided to do sports podcasting. So, uh, yeah, th- thanks for joining us. It's a, it's a real honor on this side for sure. Yeah, I, I remember walking to class in one of the off seasons. Matt, you talked about teams signing Namdi Asimov all off season long because oh, every man. team wanted to sign Namdi. Uh, I think right. that's that's one of the off seasons I remember the most. So this is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Real quick, just to tell you uh, yeah. how long ago that was. It makes me feel yeah. old, but thank you guys, by the way. When we hired Ross, Ross Tucker and I yeah. hosted mm-hmm. for a while. ESPN called Ross and asked him, hey, do you want to host this podcast with Matt Williams? He's like, oh, Matt does great work, but what's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. Ross has like this huge run, yeah. you know, podcast network now. So time yeah, to change. Exactly. Wow. All right, Matt, let's uh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys because we're always a little bit jaded. We, we cover this team every single day. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts from an outsider perspective. How do you well, how do you think about this Cowboys team? What do you think about this Cowboys team entering 2021? Well, if we go back to 2019, the Cowboys had the best offense in the league, in my opinion. That's when Mahomes was you know on fire and there were so many great teams out there, offenses out there. But on a yards per play basis, which is one of my – favorite metrics over the course of a year. Dallas was number one in 2019. And with Dak last year, as everyone knows, it wasn't much different. The wins were there. Um, but boy, I mean, everyone blames the Dak injury for the downfall of the team. But boy, the offensive line was so injured. I think this is really set up to be one of the absolute best offenses in the league yet again. Um, I think Dak could even be in the MVP conversation. And, you know, they're loaded on that side of the ball. The defense gives me a lot of pause without question, and I don't think I'm unique in saying that. But what I like about it when you analyze last year's defense is they can't make more mental errors. You know, I mean, it was <laughs> – those things have to come back to the mean. I mean, I think they're going to simplify the defense a little bit. There's a new coordinator. And one of my favorite things that they did this offseason – is I really praise teams after the draft that made a lot of picks, especially on one side of the ball. I mean, so they have a lot. They're young, but there's a lot of players that maybe aren't household names yet or haven't even dressed in the NFL that should be able to contribute. 
Matt, you 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 mentioned the, uh, the how good the offense was last year and the pre well previous two years, and then obviously before Dak got hurt. Yeah, it did seem like even before Dak got hurt, uh, there was uh, some problems with fumbling and some issues with getting uh, a little bit of efficiency in the offense early before they could kind of get things going. But yeah. did you notice any? And, and, and this is a very small sample size, so it's difficult. I, I'm interested to see if you noticed any. Mike McCarthy specific influence on a Kellen Moore offense last year in the kind of limited exposure we got with, you know, a full Cowboys offense. Well, I don't think going back to the Jason Garrett years, first of all, I think it was an upgrade from there schematically. I think it's pretty difficult to really wrap your head around it because I'm not making excuses or avoiding your question, mm-hmm. but when you had no mini, I mean, this time last year, they weren't doing mini camps. You know, there yeah. was a very, very abbreviated training camp, um, no preseason whatsoever. To install a new offense, I think a lot of these teams that had new coordinators last year weren't able to really show all their cards. It's just too hard to get it in and to trust it more than that. I mean, yeah, you could write it on paper and say, learn this, but to actually call things and lean on schemes that they want to try, uh, I I think is to be determined. And I think we might be a little bit um, shocked by maybe it took a year for a lot of these teams that have new, new people in charge of play calling and schemes. Um, I was not a big McCarthy fan schematically in green Bay, to be honest with you, pretty generic. And I, I do look at this team on both sides of the ball and worry about being a little predictable um, you know, the, the, the kind of everyone knows what they're going to be up to. And coaches are too good for that. If they know what defense you're going to play or what your tendencies are, you're probably just not going to out-talent people. But the more influence is really interesting to me. And again, I'm not avoiding the conversation from last no. year, but I hope he has a lot of input. Uh, Matt, let's talk about Dak because I think we saw the value of Dak last year after he got hurt, which is a strange way to value a quarterback. But uh, how do you how do you look at Dak going into the 2021 season? Do you think he's closer to a top five quarterback than a top 10 quarterback? You mentioned he has MVP upside. What are just your general thoughts about Dak? Rookie year. I mean, if we really want to do the history of Dak through Matt Williamson's eyes. I thought rookie year he was a little overrated because the line was really humming then. Zeke came on the scene with him and just tore things up. And people talked about Dak like he was a phenom, you know, like he was the next Tom Brady in the late rounds. And I thought he was a really good player and a starter at that point, obviously. But I thought perception was a little too strong on him bursting on the scenes. I thought he still had a lot of things to work through. Since then, I kind of think he's been criminally underrated because <laughs> when, he, when he showed up, I thought he was kind of a function of the offense, fell into a great landing spot. You know, it takes a village to raise a quarterback. But since then, I think he's been the catalyst of the offense rather than the other way around. You know, that he's been the the driving force. You know, when, when you uh, – there's a – you know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks have their – trucks and trailer analogy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i look at more of it like a like, like a a train you know like aaron Rodgers is the steam engine and just pulls everyone behind him well Dak's closer to that now than what he was yeah. and i mean he's much more accurate than giving credit for we know the athleticism but he doesn't need to lean on it tough as the day is long too i mean i don't know if that gets talked about with him too but he's a bulldog and those guys follow him 
Just wanted to tell you guys about rockauto.com. It's a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. All right, I think we've talked enough about the positive side of this. We have to get to the defensive side of the ball, unfortunately, and discuss yeah. that as well. Um, you know, the Cowboys obviously in the offseason changed defensive coordinators from Mike Nolan to Quinn. And I do think that kind of going back to what you were saying, uh, Nolan, whether he had a solid plan coming into the situation or not, it even got further obliterated by the COVID offseason and the, you know, no opportunity for many camps and training sure. camps at OTAs. Having said all that, uh, you know, how much, you know, looking back at this personnel, uh, you know, where it was before Nolan and, and some of those guys coming in and then, you know, we, keeping in mind the new folks that were brought in by Quinn, how much do you think this defense can improve? And I, I, you can quantify it however you like. Uh, how much do you think that they can improve just by simply being, being all on the same page and, and, and at least not being confused on their run fits and first down and, and just kind of simple, you know, defense 101 stuff. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I expect this to be a lot of the Seattle cover three principles. You think that's fair? I mean, yep. yes. Yeah, certainly, certainly def, like defensive back wise. Yeah. Right. So they're obviously, you know, after corners with super long arms and certain dimensions and, you know, yeah. linebackers that can run and play every down Bobby Wagner, those type of guys probably generate a lot of pass rush with your front four Lawrence being the, the catalyst there. But I bring up the scheme first and foremost, because in a way I mentioned at the start to show because you're bringing in so many rookies, you know, I don't know how many defensive rookies they brought in off the top of my head, but a lot, a lot. obviously. <laughs> a lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. I a think defense a, is worth, basically. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, a lot of guys that can play snaps, even in a rotation or, you know, in Parsons' um, case, probably as a linebacker slash edge rusher. I do expect him to rush off the edge a lot. Um, having a simplified defense to me, should make that much easier transition for the rookies. And even the, the incumbents, I would expect a lot less errors. I just don't think it has a high ceiling for this year. But mm. as good as the offense is, I think league average defense is what you're striving for. If you could be mm -hmm. middle of the road, this is probably the best team in the division and a contender in the NFC. I'm, I'm kind of just looking for the defense not to stink, you know, <laughs> and yeah. in a way, I think this the scheme will help that because the roles are pretty simplified. But I also th I also think that scheme has been figured out a lot in the NFL, too. I mean, hiring a, a Seattle, t you know, uh, cover three type of coach, I think limits you because the Sean Paytons of the world and all the smart offensive minds have figured that out and know how to attack it. 
But for now, I think it's a good transition for all the youth. All right, Matt, you mentioned the draft. Uh, we had kind of mixed feelings on this draft class. What were your thoughts mm-hmm. on what the Cowboys did specifically in the first two days? I'm sure, like everybody, you guys would have much rather ended up with Horn or Sertain. Everyone in the world mocked to the yes. Cowboys. And didn't yes. Work <laughs> yes, I 100% agree. Um, after signing Keanu Neal and already having Vander Esch and Jalen Smith, Parsons seemed a little redundant, but you didn't pick up Vander Esch's fifth-year option. Uh, I think him and Smith might not be long for the Cowboys. And I mentioned it before with Parsons. Even if he were just an edge rusher, if he was going, if he was battling Quiddy Pay and Jason Owe and all those type of guys, I think he still is a first round player. So if they use him in that capacity, especially on third, you know, third and long situations, I think he'll have a lot of impact, high upside. I don't love the names. You know, I keep mentioning they drafted a lot of players, but I don't necessarily love the players they drafted. You throw Jabril Cox in that mix, too. I was a little shocked he fell as much as he did. I do like that pick a lot. But, again, a little redundant in the middle of the field. He's a real similar to a Neal or a guy like that. Um, But I will say one thing about this organization that I'm sure you guys recognize, but I don't think the national audience does. The Jones family or whoever's doing the scouting or has the final say, they draft very, very well. Their their yeah. track record with drafts is much better than they're given credit for. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is one of the better front offices in the league. But the yeah. problem they get into is when somebody, you know, when they give the pick to a coach, right? That's <laughs> when they get into trouble a little bit. And it seems like we saw that a little bit in this draft, uh, whether it's Nation Wright in the third round, a corner from Oregon State who yeah. – most people didn't have with a draftable grade, so that's where they get in trouble. But I do agree that they're they're not a they're not a bad drafting team at all. They just they they have a couple picks here and there that are a little bit questionable. Um, I think some traits with those guys as opposed to yeah. total package or yes. you know yeah yes. Uh, Matt, how do you think this team stacks up just compared to the rest of the teams in the NFC East? Because I keep coming back to this. They're they're maybe not the most well rounded team. But when you have a quarterback, it just puts you so much further ahead than everybody else in the division. How do you how do you think they stack up compared to everybody else? I think that's well said. I mean, clearly the best quarterback, and I don't even think it's close. I think Washington and Dallas are the teams really competing for the top spot. I don't have a lot of faith in Daniel Jones, and, and I see what they did there. And Philly did the same thing. Miami did the same thing. Young quarterback with questions. We're going to surround him with all kinds of weapons. And, oh, by the way, we're going to have a, an extra first-round pick or two in our back pocket in case that quarterback doesn't work out for next year. I mean, there's four or five teams that really had that model to some degree, even including Jacksonville and the Jets and you know some of these teams with young quarterbacks. But the Giants didn't address their line. I don't think Jones' pocket presence works well behind a suspect line, and I think he's a turnover machine. So I think he holds that team back, but I like the rest of their team, defense, weapons. I just think Philly's in a total rebuild, and I'm not a Jalen Hurts believer. I think they'll end up with three first-round picks next year, and Hurts will not be the starter a year from now if we have this conversation. So it's worth a shot, see what he can do, but I think they're building an infrastructure for their next quarterback. Which brings me to Washington. I like this team a lot. Mm. However, their quarterback play was so bad last year. With respect to Alex mm. Smith, he's a wonderful story. Uh, he made me scared for his life every time he walked on the field. And him, he was just such 
a check there. I mean, dumping it to J.D. McKissick over and over and over, and Haskins was in over his head. So Fitzpatrick's going to be better and more aggressive and harder to play against. But my thing with Fitzpatrick is I think people, and a lot of it's fantasy-driven probably, wow, the Washington's going to be so much better. Their offense is going to be high-flying. This guy's been a backup for 18 mm-hmm. years or whatever. All of a sudden, he's not going to be a new player. Uh, he's still going to be a turnover machine. There's he's a not- reason he keeps getting replaced, right? He keeps getting replaced <laughs> for a reason. We know what he is. And, you know, he's the 28th best quarterback in the league, which is better than what they played with last year. But I just think, you know, that's the big problem in Washington. In the end, I think they're going to have to play close games and their defense, especially their defensive line, should allow them to do it. But I think he's going to blow more games than he wins. Yeah, I certainly agree. I, I think that's the, the kind of high volatility with Fitzpatrick is not exactly a, a the quarterback is not a, exactly a position you want high volatility. No, uh, and no it feels like he no. is certainly that guy. So I guess let's let's pull back even further. It feels like, you know, you, you mentioned it, that Washington, Dallas are probably the two teams to beat in the NFC East. And, you know, the Cowboys quarterback situation maybe gives them a little bit of a of a of a head advantage of over mm-hmm. Washington in the NFC East. Let's talk about the formula overall, the kind of high-scoring defense doing what they can to limit points while uh, winning 45 to 35 or whatever, those kind of games that Cowboys are like, looking to get into. What's the ceiling for that kind of formula? Can that, can that kind of formula – and I think that's the question we get from a lot of Cowboys fans is – you're right – Everybody has the. Everybody knows what this is. The Cowboys are going to go into the season, try to score a whole bunch of points, and limit you guys to as, as scoring as few as possible, and just slowing you down. What does that does that kind of formula have a ceiling that can actually get them to a Super Bowl, or or is that a, a you know kind of a see like a glass ceiling that they won't be able to get past until their defense gets, you know, at least above average or in top ten area. It's a big question. I mean, it's obviously a philosophical question for today's NFL. And I think Cowboys fans really should be happy with any opposing drive that ends with a kick. You know, as long as it's not six, as long as it's not seven, you know, uh, I'll take a field goal time and time again. I think this formula is better than the opposite, though. I mean, I think winning games 13-10 with defense and grinding it out is much harder than the other way around in today's NFL. I mean, because in those games, one bad bounce, one blocked field goal, something out of your control even, you look back and say, how did we lose that game? We played the exact style we wanted. Where Dallas, a lot of them are just going to be, you know, last possession wins. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. well, boy, that was a bad series. We'll trot the the stud offense back out there and we're still in it. You know, you're you're still have a puncher's chance where if you don't have the quarterback and you have to play really low scoring games, the NFL rules are just too hard on you. So can they win the Super Bowl? Can they be the best team in the league with this defense? You lean towards no, you know, I mean, winning games 40 to 38 week after week. I mean, you're going to have some variance there where you don't get the uh, the role at the end or you don't get the ball last and you better be good with your clock management and all those type of things. But the best parts are in place and the defense, mm-hmm. I think, at least has some hope now that I think there's a little more light at the end of that tunnel. 
Wanted to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, Matt, we're gonna get you out on this one. I have to I have to pick on you a little bit before you go. So Uh-oh. you just did uh your top 25 wide receiver rankings at Pro Football Network. And yeah. our guy, Amari Cooper, at number 19. Come on, come on, man. You gotta defend that one a little bit. How did how did he not make the top 15? That's rough. I'm going to get on your good graces first. First of all, <laughs> I think C.D. Lamb's going to be 10th next year. I think that was my next gonna... question. I'm glad that you okay. answered that. Yeah, I love C.D. Lamb. I think he. Pro- I think he's going to. We just did a fantasy draft on Peacock and Williamson, and C.D. Lamb. We we took him ahead of Amari Cooper. I think he's going to lead the team in receptions. <laughs> I think he's a star in the making, and part of it's because Cooper's a little up and down, and. <laughs> Trust me, a player with his resume and what he does week after week in any other position probably would have been 10th on my list. You know, if he's a running back, if he, you know, it's just there's so many receivers. The difference between him being 19th and my 12th receiver is is minimal. I mean, it, it really is. I just don't trust him a lot. I think there's a little bit of variance there. I think there's just a little too much roller coaster to say – he isn't, you know, in those top dozen or so. So, I mean, we're splitting hairs at that position. There's so mm-hmm. much talent in the league, but I really like Lamb. That's a very political <laughs> answer. I appreciate well that. done. Well done. <laughs> uh, you guys can check out uh, Matt's top 25 wide receiver rankings on Pro Football Network. I also saw his running back rankings were over there. Yeah. Uh, make sure you see where Ezekiel Elliott's at. I think I think listeners will be Never happy about that one. Physique. Yeah, Never yeah. Your physique on the rankings. Yeah. Yep. Uh, tight end rankings are out there. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Make sure you check out all the great work that he's doing, uh, especially over there at Locked On Dynasty. I know those guys are, they do a good job over there. Good group over there. Yeah, good group. Uh, Matt, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this was fun, guys. Take care. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can download, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audacity, wherever you get your podcast. Again, follow Matt at Williamson NFL. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher, and we will see you next time.